Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Don here, and I want to welcome you to another installment of Moa's Ark. <laughs> I want to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you. And you all know that this is where God dwells, where Jesus reigns, the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. I am so grateful this morning. I thank and praise God for endowing me with his love and a anointing me with the power and the ability to love. I just thank God. I honor him today. He is such a good, a wonderful, and a great God. I celebrate God. No matter what we're going through, I just thank God. I celebrate him for all of his many, many blessings. God has been so good. (laughs) He has been so good. I thank him. For another episode, uh, our last episode I did just a couple of days ago. So I'm just so grateful that I was able to come on and and uh, be true <laughs> to my commitment uh, to get this message out. This has been something that has been uh, on my heart for a little while. I've been wanting to do something to help us to deal with how do we manage through a lot of this conflict that we're going through. I want to um, start talking about topics that are going to be outlined in my book. Uh, I shared with you all on my last episode that I am in the process of finalizing my very first book that I will be publishing real soon. And the title is Diary of a Not-So-Mad Black Woman, (laughs) The Art of Corporate Warfare. And I believe that many of the principles that I will be addressing in that book, uh, while the concentration is on the professional environment, Uh, It also reaches over and it crosses over into uh, even our personal lives. We can use these principles in our personal lives and and to have better, uh, more healthy relationships with people. We'll learn how to navigate our way through some of our challenges and how to... uh, Um, establish our boundaries while at the same time um, maintaining relationships and uh, building relationships, uh, managing those relationships. So many of these things uh, I'm going to be talking about, but let me share something with y'all. What I've been doing uh, lately, uh, even as I've been writing my book, You all know, uh, some of you all that listen to my podcast often, I talk about my uh, audibles. I am am a person who loves to read. I love to ingest knowledge, uh, but I don't have time. A lot of times I don't have time to read books or to sit up and and, and dedicate, you know, moments to read. So uh, I believe that this audible concept is is a gift straight from God. (laughs) It's a gift straight from God because for people like me uh, who are always on the go, 
who don't have the opportunity to, you know, read the latest books and things like that. Uh, they're able to listen. I can listen to these audible books being read by others. Plus, another thing about me, I am a very slow reader uh, because I like to read and comprehend and break down and digest and analyze what I'm reading. Uh, so it takes me longer than the average Joe to read a book. So anyway, love my Audible. Um, so I have a few new titles, but I've been with Audible. I've probably been with them since they came out, and I believe it may have been about 10 years ago. Uh, so I got about 200 and close to 225 or 30 books in my library, and all of them are, uh, or mostly all of them, are professional development books as well as um, I've got some uh, some some fiction, but most of what I have are is is nonfiction, you know, books. But anyway, my latest titles, uh, the ones that I've gotten uh, lately, I want to share them with you in case you all uh, are interested in picking up a few of these titles. Um, but let me tell you about this one that I'm listening to now that has really been tearing me up. And then I'll give you guys the list in just a minute because we're going to talk about one of the books. Well, actually two. I'm going to recommend that you get sooner than later because I believe it can help you. Uh, but the one I'm listening to now is White Rage. Is White Rage. It's by an author uh, named Carol Anderson. Uh, and 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 what the book attempts to do is to open our eyes to the reality that where we depict, where we unjustly depict the African-American as being enraged, right? In all actuality, that rage is coming from another source. And so she does a wonderful job of pointing out um, some of the social injustices, uh, the pacifism uh, that, that we have experienced and the expectation that we'll just bend over and take it. Uh, excuse my French. But um, anyway, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And I have been learning so much uh, from this book anywhere from uh, what happened during the Civil War to uh, Abraham Lincoln's presidency to uh, the Civil Rights Movement, touch a little bit on the suffrage. And I'm, I'm about an hour or maybe two hours out on the completion of this book. So I'm still learning. But one of the things that I just, I mean, did not know, uh, but she outlined in this book as she walks us through the many experiences of African Americans here in the United States uh, where we have suffered at the hands of those who were in position of leadership. And we have suffered in such a detrimental way that our society, our race, our community, in other words, uh, has been ill-affected 
Uh, it affects our children. It affects our husbands, our wives. It affects our overall community. And the reason that we are where we are today has more to do with the systemic racism and the structure that was intentionally built for the success of the United States than it has anything to do with our failure, our laziness, or our own contribution or lack thereof. So I appreciate how she brings out many of these facts to, in essence, in, in, in my view, I think what I take away from this book is that oftentimes we say that the system is broken, uh, something is wrong and things like that. And in all actuality and reality, this system is not broken. It is doing exactly what they intended it to do. It is, it is built to, um, to promote and perpetuate classism. It is built and 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 created to uh segregate the the classes and somebody has to be on the bottom when you are in a capitalistic society where it defines its success by who's on top okay so this is why there's such a grip and stronghold and people just don't want to let go but anyway and and i didn't want this session to be all about that because i want to talk to y'all about you know, managing some of this conflict. And I got some biblical scriptures and all of that, but I'm just excited about this book and what I've learned. So let me just share this little tidbit and little nugget, you know, before I get into giving you guys the list of the new books that I have um, under my library. <laughs> and, and, and anybody who's interested in learning more about how to get these titles, um, just, you know, shoot me a little inbox or a private message, whatever. Just let me know. I've got a few that I would not mind sharing. Uh, Audible has a share capability, you know, where I can share the books in my library. That way you don't have to necessarily necessarily buy them or, or subscribe. But if you get a membership, they also recently uh, added a membership where you have unlimited access to uh, a specific set of books. And I love that one because now I can get in there and listen to some of the books that, you know, every month I, I have to choose like, okay, well, I'm gonna get this one or, or that one. But anyway, um, let me know if you're interested. But back to this book, back to this book. Um, about white rage. So, so, and this is just, you know, really my takeaway from it. You may or may not find everything I'm saying in the book, but it's, it's what I interpreted for what she said. But from what I gathered, right, here's, here's one of the main points that I took away um, regarding Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War and, um, um, you know, the civil rights movement, you know, bringing us up to today. Uh, she was very um, matter of fact about the position of Abraham Lincoln. You know, as we were growing up, we always learned that, you know, they would say that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, but I don't know about you. I'm from Detroit. <laughs> we had uh, throughout our elementary school, middle school, high school, we had a very uh, prominent um, African-American studies 
uh, uh, embedded or incorporated into our education. So a lot of the things that people were not aware of, we knew. We knew. And and let me tell you, ooh, Jesus, I'm telling you, I get excited. This book helped shed the light on why. I had no idea there was a mother whose uh, children were a part of the Detroit public school system and um, they were not getting adequate education. And she reached out to the NAACP and, you know, anyway, uh, y'all got to get the book. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's powerful when you think about it. But but I was a um, a byproduct of what she had to sacrifice to ensure that her children get the education and it trickled down to me because baby when I tell you I am so grateful for the knowledge that we received growing up in in school about African American studies and I believe it was a direct if not you know maybe maybe inadvertent but it it was somehow tied uh to the stance that she took this lady I can't remember her name uh but for her son she took that stance she said look y'all schools are overrun we got our kids going to schools they got to go to schools and and trailers uh on the school grounds because the schools are so dec- it. The, the buildings are not, you know, up to par and all of that. But anyway, she reached out to the NAACP and bottom line, <laughs> I believe I got a better uh, education as a result of that. Okay. But back to my point, we learned uh, in school, you know, as they, as they would say publicly, you know, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. We would hear, you know, that underlying, no, he didn't. <laughs> he, he didn't free the slaves, you know. <coughs> and as a matter of fact, he wasn't a friend to the slaves. Uh, so she does a brilliant job of uh, really kind of highlighting his presidency. And, and here's what I've gathered. Uh, in addition to this book, like I said, with, with, with the knowledge that I have of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was not an abolitionist. He, he, he was not. He did not look at African-Americans as equal to um, to whites. He, he, he just simply did not. He didn't think that it was morally correct for African-Americans to be enslaved, but at the same time, he, he didn't see us as equal. He, he may have seen us a little bit higher than cattle, you know, because he understood we were human beings, but he didn't think that we deserved the same rights. He was a politician. And so taking on the um, plight of the African-American in, during that time was something that helped him in his political quest, you know, to, to, to forge forward because it gave him uh, um, it gave him an agenda to attach himself to, you know, similar to, um, you know, nowadays they talk about health rights and maybe uh, animal rights or something like that. You know, it gave him something to attach himself to. And so he was uh, uh, the the force behind the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, but in doing that, it, it did not, it did not, 
um, emancipate or free any slaves. The Emancipation Proclamation was written solely to build guardrails around the slaves who had already freed themselves <laughs> during the Civil War. So it was more of a wartime proclamation that permitted them or gave them the legal right to kind of govern, you know, that that segment of society because they didn't know what to do with slaves. So he had to come up with something. And, and I'm not by any way saying that that was not the bridge to the 13th Amendment. But I just want to be clear uh, that it was not it, that wasn't his intent. He didn't go out and, and say, look, you know, we are this is a, a, a sin against humanity and, you know, it is our straight ticket to hell as Americans, you know, so we got to stop it. He, no, it wasn't like that. He was not a friend. They gave him the penny and his brown and all of that stuff is true, but he was not a friend to the African-American. As a matter of fact, he was a colonist. He, he, he wanted to colonize the African-Americans and send them to another country. So that that was his plan, his plan. He wanted to come in and be the mediator, the great, you know, uh, um, negotiator. <laughs> Look, y'all can't get along on this side. You know, y'all can't get along on this side. Here's here's a, a great compromise. But as with any intelligent being, you know, a logical thinking human being, you know, you had the African-Americans who said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. We built this country on our blood, sweat, and tears, although we came here against our will. The reality is we put Oz in just like y'all, if not more so. So we want to stay. We have paid the price as much as any of you have. And so anyway, so that was the divide uh, with him. And so she began to show how um, his true intentions and his real agenda was not towards the success or, or even sensitive to the plight of the African-American. And then, you know, fast forward through, you know, the civil rights era, she began to outline how, you know, certain um, heroes, that we accept as heroes and and certain um, uh, villains that we accept as villains, uh, the story being told was not as accurate as in the mainstream. You know, mainstream tells us one thing, and 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 let me be clear: in the book, the 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 author is presenting the facts, not presenting an opinion. So it's not a book that you'll find. That is fueled by, look, y'all think Abraham Lincoln is such and such as so-and-so. He ain't nothing. You know, no, it's not like that. She's just presenting the facts. And from that, you can derive your own opinion. And if, if you read it, you'll see. But I, I think that the strong voice that is coming out of that, uh, even with how the name depicts it, is that the rage that is in there is more associated with the bad behavior, the abuse, uh, and the attacks that the whites did against the blacks, right? Uh, and so, like I said, she takes you through, you know, the civil rights era where I, sh you know, shared the one story about the lady from, um, 
Detroit with her children. There was another guy. I think he was a doctor or something like that. He had a family and he was from Michigan uh, and and wanted to move into uh, one of the uh, nicer neighborhoods. And, you know, he had a hard time and she talks about redlining. And I'm telling you, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Uh, I, I really, honestly, I had to put it down my first day listening to it, uh, after maybe an hour or so. So I will caution you that you may have to <laughs> kind of take a break and, and a deep breath because this stuff is heavy and it's heavy when you think about how people can be so evil as to perpetuate that level of violence and, and abuse towards another people, you know, for no reason at all. None whatsoever other than their own greed, selfishness, and evil. And and the reason that it was hard for me to kind of digest some of the truth that was expressed uh, in the book is because I look today at some of the most brilliant people that I've experienced in my life and I see the despair that they are in and I can root it back to or trace it back to, you know, the source of some of these actions that were taken against us. So anyway, I caution you that if you choose to listen to the book, be very careful, uh, kind of like Rosewood or, or Roots or, you know, I can't think of some of the other movies, you know, you, you might have to put it down for a minute, take a break, you know, do some happy, you know, uh, chants or something like that and then come back to it. Because it's imperative that we understand this history. It's imperative that we understand uh, what happened to drive us here so that when we're told things like I read something um, the other day, it kind of frustrated me. Maybe it was yesterday or the day before um, I have a Facebook page. And usually I use that Facebook page for ministry and I have close to 5,000 um, uh, Facebook friends. And, and, you know, that number fluctuates from week to week because sometimes I'm blocking folk. <laughs> and other times, you know, people will block me, you know, because they don't like what I say. But I try to be open minded and the people that I associate with. So in other words, I don't judge people because of their ignorance. I don't judge people because of their ignorance. And I also have kind of a rule that I don't get engaged in, you know, just uh, social beefs, you know, stuff like that. I, you know, you are entitled to your opinion. <laughs> and if you feel a certain way, I, it's it's not up to me to change your mind, but sometimes if I feel that we are coming from at least a common foundational ground and I can maybe help you and your understanding or you can help me in my understanding, I'll engage in conversation, but otherwise I just don't get involved. I just don't do that. I got enough real stress. I got a husband and kids and grandbabies, <laughs> so I'm not trying to beef with nobody on Facebook. But anyway, uh, I was I was reading a post that one of my friends uh, posted on Facebook. And I, I say that she's my Facebook friend, but over the years that she and I have been uh, friends on Facebook, we have been in communication. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna call her my friend. 
But I know that she has very conservative views. She has a very conservative viewpoint. And not only that, she considers herself as her self-identification. She's identified herself as an evangelical and a Republican. So whatever that means to you all in your mind <laughs> at this point, be very careful because that would mean you may have some implicit biases going on there that we all need to straighten out. But anyway, um, she has some, she has had in the past some very narrow perspectives and, and she has, has, has had some polarized views of, of situations and circumstances. And, and I'm not saying that I haven't, you know, because I have, but I try to see people as individuals versus trying to, you know, categorize everybody in one bucket or another. I know that there are some generalizations that we make and we, we kind of have to, right? Because labels help us to articulate what's in our mind so that another mind can understand, you know, our view of things or how we describe things. Okay. But anyway, let me get to what this girl did. She puts up a picture of Herman Kane. Uh, was it Herman Kane? Mm. I think it was Herman Cain. I, I I I believe it was Herman Cain because I can't think of the other one. But Herman Cain recently passed away, and so I'm hoping that it wasn't the other guy, which I can't even remember his name. I hate that I just did that. But Herman Cain. So she said he was raised by, um, he was raised by an a mother who was illiterate. And um, he was raised by a, an illiterate mama. And I think she had four children, three children or something. Now, y'all, if it ain't Herman Cain and it's the other black guy, I am not a racist. I just can't remember his name right now. Dad, what is his name? Um, Shoot. Okay. All right. I'm going to leave that alone. But anyway, so she said he was raised by them and then he made it to, you know, whatever office he did in the presidency. I got to find that story. So I won't be telling y'all the wrong thing because now that I say it out loud, I do not think it was Herman Cain. Uh, but anyway, um, it, it had to be the other black guy. And I need to go down here and ask my husband real quick what his name is. But it's the one that get on everybody's nerves. Ben, Car ben Carson. Ben Carson. I bet you that's who she was talking about. Let me see. Hold on. Because I, I, um, I just will not tell. The yes, it was, it was. It was Ben Carson. It was Ben Carson. And so what she was saying was his mom was illiterate. He grew up poor and he had his other siblings and the mom got married as a teenager, blah, 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 blah. So what she had the nerve to say is 
So that shows you it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you do or what you got or something like that. She had slick to say. And oh, that fired me up. That burned me up. First of all, after days of listening to this book and understanding that those microaggressions that white people have against black people are so dangerous. Not because we don't all have them, because I am so honest about the fact that I have many implicit biases. I have a lot of microaggressions. Like in my mind, I have to train myself to think different when I encounter people of different races. But the difference is, is that my implicit bias or my microaggression cannot control the end result of somebody else's life. It just it, it it has no power, you know, over, you know, I can think what I want to think all the time. And people say, well, hey, I don't care what you think about me because you ain't paying my bills. The problem is many of them are paying our bills. We still in ditching service working for them and they paying our bills. So these biases that they have and ideals that they create in their head, it becomes uh, noteworthy and worth challenging just simply because the spread of that ignorance will, you know, impact somebody else, you know, uh, another African-American, because you thinking that because I am not at her, I mean, um, being Carson level, because I ain't made it to be a, a, a brain surgeon or whatever the heck this guy does, you know, or position in, in the president's cabinet, because I haven't made it there that I didn't apply or do my best to, 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 to make it out of my financial poverty or, or the impoverished state that my family has been in for generations. When I tell you that ticked me off, <laughs> because when you listen to this book about white rage, it's stuff like that. It's stuff like that. It's like being in an abusive relationship with somebody who is psychologically and emotionally abusive to you. And they want to throw the rocks and hide their hands and say things about you that is like demeaning and degrading. And, and it's like, OK, if you did this, then you wouldn't have to deal with that. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like I heard, I saw this one girl, she put on her site, she said, I mean, on her page, she said, you know, telling a black man or African-American man to, why don't you just comply with the police? Why don't you just do what they tell you to do? Is similar to saying to them, I mean, saying to a woman, why don't you not wear that short skirt and you won't be raped, you know? And so anyway... I don't know why I'm sharing this because I really want to get into the material for today. And I'll be going on and on and on, but I can't help it. It'd be so much I want to talk about. And the other thing that happened to me, I had, uh, uh, you guys know, I told you I'm, I'm doing this dial thing and I'm, hey, I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. I am not, um, I, I ain't. Uh, side tracking, none of that. Now, I don't even know what word I wanted to say, but <laughs> I'm going all the way. I keep getting these dials and I'm getting all these tools and I'm anxiously awaiting my very first uh, two kits. I got two kits that I am going to remake custom uh, dials that I'm going to remake because I want to I want to remodel these dials into African-American dials. That's what I want to do. 
And like I said, I'm going to start giving them out. But the better I get, you know, the more uh, value, valuable these uh, dolls are going to be. So I'm going to start giving them out. But anyway, <laughs> I'm in this group and I'm just happy and excited to be in the group. And y'all know I'm just so naive, you know, about people and, and their intentions. A lot of times I have to, I kind of use my husband as my vision or my, my, uh, prescription when it comes to seeing, you know, people for who they are. But sometimes I don't get him involved in my, in my personal, you know, the stuff I like, like, like my dial house group or whatever. But, uh, usually he that magnifying glass that can tell me. And I, I just, I don't know. But anyway, this lady, she starts up a group. And so I'm getting in all these groups on Facebook, which I'm going to have to get out of some of them. And I'm, I got in a group and I'm having a good time with like-minded people. I get to see their dial projects and doll house projects and uh, some of them have dolls. But this group that she opened up was kind of like an auction uh, type thing and she was going to have auctions you know twice a week and whatever so I'm like oh man this is great so I got on the site and and me being who I am and thinking to myself okay this lady trying to pull people together knowing everything that's going on in our world you know today let me support you know because that's just who I am I was going to support so I go on there she do the auction I get me a few things and I'm like okay fine so she reaches out to me, you know, we say a few cordial words to each other. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, she cool, you know. And I, and so I said, well, let me thank her because I'm one that I'm, I'm the one that go back and say thank you. Okay, so I said, well, let me thank her for what she's doing. And so, so I said to her, I said, well, thank you. You know, I appreciate you starting up this group. And, you know, I want to be a supporter of what you're putting together because I love that we have a neutral ground of like-minded people, you know, where we don't have to be distracted by, you know, the, the whatever is going on in the world. And, and y'all know, whatever I said, I said, you know, but it was, it was you know, intelligent and, and neutral, you know, whatever. This female comes back and says to me amongst other things she said a few other things but the thing I honed in on she goes she starts telling me about you know she has uh, an autoimmune system issue you know issues with her health so she can't work her doctor is taking her you know, through doctor's order, she can't work and, and all of this. And, and so she needed to do something to pass the time, you know, and, you know, she started sharing that she's got an African-American son-in-law and, and some little African-American babies and uh, Albanian half-brother, you know. So I think she thought that with all of this uh, criteria that she had reserved the right to share this with me and then had the nerve to say and I believe all lives matter so y'all know me I had to take a pause which actually she she had sent it to me late that night because we were chatting late at night we were chatting late at night and I was tired so I had I had went on and went to sleep and I saw that she had sent me a message, but I said, no, nah, I'm going to read it in the morning because I'm, you know, I'm too tired. And so I opened up her little message and she said, I said, oh, all lives matter. 
See, people who are passive aggressive, who throw the rocks and hide their hands, who think that they can hide behind the guise of, well, I got a black best friend or I have a black family member. Let me be real clear in as much as I love my family. I love my family. I do. I love my family. I have one son-in-law by paper. Okay, one one by paper because my my daughter married, you know, so they're they're married on paper. I got another son-in-law that, you know, they're not married and I, I call them my son in loves, you know, and as they come into the family, you know, I love them, whatever, whatever. And recently, you know, I got a, a, a daughter in love, you know, through the the birth of my grandson so you know I got all these people but by no means (laughs) is my perspective on race tied to or attached to or even even derived from my relationship with them okay because to be honest I don't see color I don't see anything like that but let me just say this in the most politically correct way that I can being associated with any of them that I just mentioned today is not going to make me love a race more, hate a race more, or be more in tune to their plight, their needs, or, you know, the challenges that they suffer through in their community. So in other words, that ain't my lane. I'm not an expert, you know, and I can't even let, I can't even say because of that relationship that I I should be able to speak on or have an expert opinion. That level of privilege gets on my nerves. And and when people use that as their uh, explanation to or the reason why they can say what they say, it annoys me. I had some women that I work with, they felt like, oh, well, I have a mixed daughter. Or I have a black. Listen. Listen, y'all don't see us the same. Don't play with me. Don't play with me because you sleep with our mate. Oops, this is a Christian. All right, let me go. <laughs> let me get back to this lady. So, so I had to very politely in an epic way. And when I say epic, I wrote her a story. I wrote her a book on why her mentioning of that was inappropriate and why I challenged her directly because you had the nerve to say it. So now I'm going to meet you where you at. I'm going to challenge you right there, you know. And so uh, I I have some words for her. And and at the end of the day, I educated her. And and I don't know. When I post this, I might put that in the, put put what I said to her. (laughs) And a little in the appendix. So you guys, if if they ever come at you like that, you would just copy and paste. Let them know, nah, we're not about to play with this. You know, you you you're not gonna say something and then and then run with it, you know, like I didn't hear what you just said. Yes, all lives matter, but the reality is we need to, you and I and anyone with the platform, we need to scream at the top of our lungs that black lives matter because when people think about lives who are racist, who are in leadership, who are in control, they're not thinking about your little uh, uh, mixed grandbaby. They're not thinking about your African-American son-in-law. 
They're thinking about you. They're thinking about your people. They're thinking that's why they they are nondescript when they describe your actions. When they talk about things that you do, they're nondescript. Let them talk about something we did. It's African-American, black man, black this, black that. But when it's something that just a, a, a white person does, you are perceived as a normal, everyday American. We are not. We are not. Um, but anyway, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to get off of that because I keep doing this and I probably will keep continue to do it. So hopefully y'all like listening to my voice. But if not, just try to pretend... <laughs> <laughs> because you could grab something out of it. But uh, I, I just wanted to kind of share my heart. I wanted to share my heart. But today, we're going to actually talk about uh, how to pull down some of these strongholds, how to deal with, you know, a lot of this conflict that we are faced with because we need tangible solutions. It's time out for us blowing up and feeling defeated and, you know, getting out of position because we can't deal with the circumstances around us. I learned this a couple of years ago when I started listening to this lady um, who, who wrote this book, Cy Wakeman. Uh, she's an author and she deals with eliminating the drama and and her philosophy is you got to stay in the box sometimes we want to get out the box think outside of the box no get back in the box know what guardrails constraints and what barriers you have before you and figure out how to work your way through it navigate your way through it and try to you know succeed within the 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 constraints that you're in that will keep you from giving up. That will help you to succeed. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do. So as I promised, before I finish this little part of the segment, I'm going to tell y'all about these new books that I got. So the first one is White Rage. And this is by Carol Anderson, uh, White Rage. The other one is Slavery's Capitalism. Now, that one I haven't started yet, but that one is by Seven Sev Beckhart. And, and the name is spelled S-E, I'm sorry, S-V as in Victor, E-N as in Nancy, Beckhart, B as in boy, E-C as in candy, K as in uh, kangaroo, E, R as in rabbit, T as in Tom, okay? Slavery's capitalism. The other one is when you finish saving the world. Haven't started that one either. That one's by uh, Jesse Eisenberg, all right? Uh, I don't know why I got this one. The origin, uh, this can, oh, okay. This one is cast. Uh, oh, yes, I know where I got this one. This one, this one I might start next week now. I might start that one next week. If anybody want to start a book club, <laughs> y'all want to uh, listen to these books with me and we just talk about them. We we got to, we got to. This is, God is, God is putting us in a very uh, fruitful, uh, vibrant uh, type uh, soil right now. We we are on on some good soil right now, and we got the plant. We got to prepare so that we can grow and sprout. And and he's about to do something wonderful. But I believe that these books are going to help us. All right. Uh, Cast. This is by Isabel Wilkerson. Isabel Wil Wilkerson. 
All right, so that one I'm starting next week for sure. All right, how to be an anti-racist. Uh, how to be an anti-racist. Haven't started that one. That's by uh, Ibram X. Kendi. Ibram. I-B-R-A-M. Ibram or Abram? I don't know. Uh, X. Kendi. K-E-N-D-I. All right. The other one, The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. And then the other one is White Christian Privilege. White Christian Privilege. I haven't started either of those either. The only one I started with so far is the White Rage. And like I said, that one, (laughs) that did some things to me. Uh, Stamped from the Beginning, another book by Ibram uh, Kendi, and uh, haven't started that one. So those are the most recent that I've added to my library, and I plan on uh, getting to them. And look, uh, Audible, uh, what's the the name of that? Audible, Amazon, they ain't slick. You know, I know that they are pumping into our psyche and into our society uh, all of these revolutionary, you know, anti-racist slash, you know, uh, uh, the black experience type books, you know, and, and I don't know what their intention is. It could be to incite anger or cause us to, you know, react or respond a certain way, which, listen, we are nobody's puppets. But I, I don't mind receiving the knowledge. I like to know. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just a, a, I, I'm, I get hungry for information so we can use it for our good. We don't necessarily have to uh, leverage it the way that they're intending. But but just know I got my eye on them. <laughs> I know what they're trying to do. Facebook, all these little social medias, they're trying to send those little uh, indirect subliminal, you know, type messages, what they call them, the dog whistles, you know, to try to get us enraged, but it's not going to work, you know, but at the same time, we accept the knowledge. All right. So to the books that we're going to talk about uh, today, uh, a couple of them that I have in my library, one is working with difficult people. So I'm going to extract a few lessons from that. Uh, And we're going to talk about it, how to work with difficult people, because the truth of the matter is too many of us keep losing these jobs and we need this money. We need this money. We got to figure out how to deal with these jokers, no identifying them for who they are. Look, um, what's their name? The Motown. Motown, I heard that they had classes with their artists. They taught them etiquette. They taught them how to be. They taught them, taught them. We got to get back to that and stop playing like, like we just think that, you know, these people are so good and so great and they don't have all of these issues and trying to push us out the door. Uh, <laughs> we know what they trying to do, but we need to arm ourselves with knowledge and tools. And like I said, these principles can help and they will cross over into our own lives. All right. So what did I say? Um, Working with difficult people. And this is from Ann Cooper Hakeem. 
and Muriel Solomon. All right. And then they have a supplemental book, which is powerful phrases for dealing with difficult people. So again, today with what I have to bring to you guys today, I'm going to bring out principles for that. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, belligerent people. Uh, I'm going to deal with hostile uh, dealing with hostile and angry people. And we're going to talk about when your boss is belligerent. That's chapter one. And then chapter two is when your colleagues are. So, so if this go well, then we come back and talk about that. But for today, we're going to try to keep it around when your boss is belligerent, what do you do? And then dealing with difficult people. The other book I got necessary endings. Uh, that's, that's, this an old one, but it's up in my queue. Uh, so whatever, but that's from, uh, Henry cloud, uh, secrets to winning office politics. Now this is a brilliant book. This is by, uh, Dr. Marie G McIntyre. Okay. So she actually is a psychiatrist, I believe who focuses on organizational, uh, behavior. Anyway, powerful, powerful book. This is the first time in my life that I was able to put my finger on it. I said, wait a minute, these people have plumb lost their minds. How can you come to work, get paid to do a job and deliberately work to sabotage another asset in the company. That's like two laptops coming together and one laptop trying to blow up or, or add a virus to another. No, that, that, no, you cannot do that. But anyway, <laughs> all right. <sighs> oh, I was saying a lot. And by the way, I had my Starbucks today. So I am going to end this segment. And because it looks like I went about 50 minutes. I'm going to actually end this segment and then come back to another uh, recording. I'm going to do it as a separate episode. And then we're just going to talk through some of these principles today. But I pray that something I said uh, was able to help you and to encourage you and know that no matter what circumstance you are facing today, God is sending help. He's sending help. He's sending help your way. He is providing you the tools that you need in order to navigate your, your way through your everyday circumstance. We as members of the body of Christ, as kingdom citizens, do not have to accept defeat not one day of our lives. Not one day. We don't have to accept anything less than the best of what God has for us. Imagine Adam and Eve and Eden. That's the goal. That's the, 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 uh, uh, ceiling <laughs> that we are measuring against. And if you ain't living like you and Eden, let's get back to eating. What, what, uh, 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 what's his name? Lawrence. Um, can't remember his name. Uh, D, D Lawrence. All right. Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. Let's get back to eating, live on top of the world. That's what we got to do. All right. And this is going to help us. All right. Love you so much. And thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.